everyone and a very warm welcome to Worcester Talking News. We are recording this on Thursday the 12th of January and we'll be covering the week's news uh, before leading up to the 12th. Um, it's brought to you in conjunction with the Worcester News and the Equipment Services for the Visually Impaired. And this evening we are very pleased to welcome the Mayor of Worcester, Councillor Adrian Gregson, who joins us and will be reading some articles for us, as well as perhaps uh, talking to us a little bit about the work that he does. Our regular team are here, of course, uh, as always. Uh, that's myself, Kate, uh, Sue and Janet, and John and Barry are our technicians for this evening. Um, but I'm not going to say any more about that. We will go on to our all, all our regular things, so don't worry, you're not going to miss out on anything. And I'll just hand you over now to Adrian. Yeah, I, I mean, the, being the mayor, the mayor of the year is an interesting one because um, there, were, there were two or three different aspects to it. One is um, we aim to raise money for uh, local charities, and the two charities I've chosen are Seven Arts and On-Side Advocacy. Um, the other aspect, obviously, is um, inviting people into the Guildhall, showing them around the Guildhall, being being a, a welcome um, space about our city's heritage and um, using the buildings to its full extent. Uh, and the other aspect is really going out and um, opening, not just opening things. I've, I have opened quite a few things, um, ranging from uh, fates to garden gates and um, <laughs> uh, the odd envelope. The, I mean, I've, I've also um, been to several award ceremonies, some nice nice prize-giving events where they're very keen to have the, the, the mayor there and sort of show the wider civic interest. Um, you know, some young readers in the summer at the Hive, for example, mm. um, some uh, people who'd, who'd done an awful lot of work at the, in, in a, um, a, a local farm just outside the city, um, we we've been doing a, a range of, of visits to, um, to to try and promote what we're doing in terms of development. So this morning, for example, I was at the what's the, the Scala Theatre, uh, the oh, old Scala yes, Theatre, yes, um, because there's development um, plan there, mm. and um, so we were we were doing some photographs for that to promote that, um, and then this afternoon I've had um, a party of Chinese students who are currently studying at the university uh, and um, had a chat with them, which is quite interesting. I went to China about 10 years ago uh, with nice. um, Worcestershire ambassadors, and that was so it was nice to talk to them about, about that. And they, then they had a tour of the building. And I think one of the things I see the mayor's role as being quite useful for is to say to local organisations, to businesses, to school groups, to anybody really, look, we've got a fantastic guild hall in the city, it's part of our heritage offer. It's part of the, the visitor economy, which is so important to the city. Come in and have a look, and and if, you know, if we can help you, um, with your international visitors or your investors from from around the country, um, you know, if it swings the deal by, um, by being uh, celebrating the Guildhall and uh, looking around the Mayor's Parlour and and all that kind of sort of stuff, then. Then that's that's mm, ideal, really. Exactly. Well, it's a wonderful building to look at, and and to know that you can go inside and and perhaps talk to you or or the crowd and and feel some of the history of Worcester. Uh, that's that's wonderful for people for visitors coming here and for people who live here. 
because I, I, I yeah. don't know whether you agree, but I, I always think if you live somewhere and you live there for you know many, many years or perhaps all your life, you tend not to really know so much about what's going on until you have visitors to stay with you. And then you've suddenly got to put your thinking cap on and uh, think, right, where can I show them? And the Guildhall is you know right in the centre of town, so it's, it's an ideal place to, to start and uh, so much history associated with it too. Yeah, yeah. well, I, I would say... Uh, if I'm not, I mean, I have a, you know, a full-time job, so my level of time that I'm actually inside mm. the building yes, is yeah, is limited. But when I'm there, I'm always happy to say hello to people, and they mm. they regularly pop in, and yes, you know, they're yeah. looking around the building, and, and we sort of help them out and see what else, uh, you know, what other things they're interested in in the city as well. Mm. Well, we were there at the volunteer fair last year. We should yep. be there again this year. Um, and uh, that was very interesting and, and that's also you know that brings lots of people in and uh, also introduces a lot of the uh, you know the surroundings and other, other organizations that, that belong in Worcester that uh, run in Worcester so that that was you know that to us was very good indeed I thoroughly enjoyed that I think one of the uh, common themes of a lot of what I've been doing whether it's um, uh, coming to organisations like yourselves or whether it's going even to the National Canoe Championships in August or mm. going around a range of these places, how much they rely on volunteers, Absolutely. parents, yes, grandparents, yes, just to keep these organ mm. these things going. Yes. And um, it is, there's a whole, I mean, I've, I've always known there's a, you know, about that there is a voluntary sector, if you like, that, mm. but the, 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 the breadth of activity, oh, yes. um, really, for everyone. you know, it is, mm. it is quite amazing actually yeah. how how supportive and engaged so many people in the city are with um, with with a whole range of, of, of groups and mm. uh, and um, you know from from kids to people with mental and physical issues and financial issues and 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 fun and sport. I mean, all all the grassroots sport mm. that goes on is so so vital. Um, for everybody's health and well-being, and and getting people, you know, into into sport and developing many of them developing on and going on to to elite sport, but they start off by their mums and dads taking them up the up mm. the road, don't they? And uh, and having the the referee provided from from your yes. your local school or whatever it might be. So I think there's you know there's an awful lot that goes on that, that perhaps people don't often appreciate mm, i think that's true and and we're always looking out for volunteers we, we people are always welcome um so you know you being here and mentioning about volunteers that uh, that's quite quite nice so anyone who's listening and who has family or friends who would like to volunteer uh, to come and read for once a month that's all it is or help out with some of the paperwork then that's fine too so um, don't be afraid to volunteer we're always very very receptive of you we're a nice bunch of folks <laughs> who meet everybody that's friendly um, you don't hear of many volunteers being turned away from anything uh, no no you don't indeed no no that's uh, yes it's uh, I saw you also at the theatre uh, and we, we do give uh, out details mm -hmm. of, of uh, theatre events all over the county um, which uh, Janet will be doing shortly um, and uh, I volunteer at the, at the Swan and Huntingdon Hall so I saw you down there at the pantomime <laughs> uh, I've been to a few things I, I, I even went to a Greek tragedy actually. oh yes yeah. Yes, good variety of stuff good down for the there, soul yeah. I think yeah <laughs> right well um, I'd like to thank you very very much indeed for coming along and uh, it's it's been very very nice to have you here we're very honoured um, and uh, 
you know, uh, I'm sorry you've had such a well, I'm not sorry you've had such a busy day because that, that is your your That's life fine. at the moment. Yeah. But uh, we do thank you very much for giving up your time and, and coming down here this no, evening. It's a pleasure. That's what I'm for. Mm. So well, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure to see you. And Adrian has uh, volunteered to read some of the articles for us in the newspaper, so you'll be hearing him again a little bit later on. Right. Um, I did forget to say. Um, which I should have never forgotten, to, to thank the admin and copying team, which are, who are led by Carol Hartle, and we do thank them very much indeed. They enable you to receive your memory sticks in the envelopes that you get them in, and uh, uh, without them, uh, there would be uh, no link with you. So that, uh, that's so important. Um, the service, you know, is totally free, and we welcome any new listeners tonight who are, who are joining us for the first time. And we remind you that you can contact us at any time on 01905 767766. Uh, uh, we aren't here all the time, but you will get a response uh, if you do contact us, you will never be ignored. If you want to put a note uh, in your wallet when you return them, then that would be fine as well. We will respond to everything, um, good and bad. We hope to hear mostly good stuff, but <laughs> we, we, we are pretty thick-skinned and we can cope with the, with the bad things too and hope to, to react with uh, on that. Um, uh, as I said, the format's slightly different tonight, but now we will get on with the way we normally function. Um, and uh, we'll start with um, the birthday book, which Sue is very kindly going to read to us, um, people who are having a birthday this, this coming week. Um, we've got three um, birthdays. Um, one is um, Jean Edwards, who is 100. Um, Valerie Martin and Sandra Clinton. They all have um, birthdays this week. Oh, I wish them all a very happy birthday. Yeah. That's lovely. And Sunrise and Sunset, Sue, please. Yes, um, Sunrise um, is at 8.14am and Sunset is at 4.21pm. That's lovely. Thank you very much. Now over to Janet, uh, who will talk to us about some of the entertainment that's available to you in the next week or so, or this week. The first slot is the Worcester um, Theatre. Um, on January the 29th, which is a Sunday, at 3pm, is the Rialto Piano Trio. Now that sounds interesting if you're into music. And then on February the 3rd, at 7.30pm is Martin Joseph and it's in the uh, brochure here it says take everything you think you know about singer-songwriters and rip it up one man and a guitar Martin Joseph is um, performing so that's Worcester Theatres and if you want the number it's 01905 621 then I've got the Norbury Theatre in Droitwich Top Gun Maverick. Now that's a film, Wednesday the 18th of January, and it lasts for 130 minutes. So if you're into that sort of thing, yeah, that will be good. Um, we've also got number eight, um, Orchestra of the Swan, Earth Cycle, this is called. It's, um, it contemplates humanity's impact on Earth's environment, so that might well be interesting. And then that is 10th of February at 7.30pm. There's a pre-concert talk at 6.45pm, if you're interested in that. And then on 
Saturday the 11th of February at 7.30pm is the Ronnie Scott's story. Of course, he's a great um, um, jazz band leader. And the last one is the um, Theatre at Malvern, and it's the 70th anniversary of Agatha Christie's The Mousetrap. And that is from the 30th of January, Monday, to Saturday the 4th of February. Okay, the box office is 01684 892 277. I don't think I gave you the number for the um, um, box office of the number 8. It's 01386 treble 5 488. That's lovely. Thank you, Janet, very much indeed. Um, I will give you some more telephone numbers now, uh, just so that uh, you've got some helpful ones should you need them. Uh, here at Worcester Talking News, uh, I did say it before, but I'll say it again. It's 01905 767766. Um, the police non-emergency number is 101. NHS Direct is 111. Out of Hours Medical Assistance... 0300 and they're available between 6 and 8 pm in the evening. Crime Stoppers 0800 The Worcester Hub or the Worcester Library as you, you may wish to call it 01905 765 765 and I do understand they're going to have some interesting talks there from authors so that might be worth a ring to see just exactly what's going on there I know there's one coming up Worcestershire County Council here to help that's 01905 768053 and you ask for option 3 on that one the Community Risk Team Fire Safety 0800 032 1155 The Domestic Abuse Helpline 0800 980 3331 The Sense Adventure Walking for Visually Impaired led by D Jones is 01684 891 297 Worcester Samaritans which is a free number 116123 uh, and uh, I think that's that's all we have ah, wait a moment there's just one Western Power National Grid um, now that's also um, a number that um, that's been added in just recently uh, but it might well be useful if you have a power cut and there's a 24-hour service line and that is 0800 917 7953. Uh, now we will get on with the um, headlines for the week. Uh, and uh, Sue will start us off with last Friday's headline. Yes, this headline is Dealer's Delivery Seized at Border. Years in jail over drugs. A drug dealer is facing years behind bars for importing various drugs including cocaine, ketamine and for trading in ecstasy. Alexander Greening admitted 10 different drug charges including the importation, supply and possession of Class A drugs 
when he appeared before magistrates in Worcester on Thursday. In total, the offences involved eight different drugs, but Greening was thwarted by checks at the Border Forces officers who intercepted the drugs en route to his address. The organisation is the Law Enforcement Command within the Home Office, which secures the UK border by carrying out immigration and customs controls for people and goods entering the UK. Greening, 22, had been listed at an address in Martley, but gave his address to the court as Elmdale Road, off Corn Meadow Lane in Worcester. He admitted three charges of importing a controlled drug of Class A, to which a prohibition applies. The suited defendant, who appeared in court with his parents, who sat in the public gallery area, further admitted three charges of possession with intent to supply drugs on August the 13th last year. Class A drug um, and a Class B and a Class C drug. He also admitted three charges of simple possession of drugs on August the 13th last year, cocaine, ketamine and diazepam. Samreen Afsar, prosecuting, said the drugs addressed to the defendant were intercepted by border force and a search warrant was executed at his home where drugs and paraphernalia were found. These are matters the Crown say must go down to the court to be sentenced. It is in excess of your sentencing powers and should be committed to Crown Court for sentence, she said. Mrs Afsar said that the Crown had identified Greening as having a significant role in the offence with a starting point for the importation of the drugs of six years in prison with a range available of between five and seven years. That's just in relation to the importation, she said. She explained that there was starting point of four years and six months for some of the other offences. Chairman of the bench, Kevin Lloyd-Wright, said, You have pleaded guilty to all of these counts and you are committed to the Crown Court in Worcester for sentence. These offences are so serious, you need greater punishment than we can give. Greening was granted unconditional bail to attend Worcester Crown Court on February the 3rd. He was told to be there for 9.15am, ready for the hearing at 10am. My um, headline news is government will not fund one place. The government is not funding a single place for doctors to be trained at Worcester's new medical centre it has been revealed. More than a thousand applications have been made to study at the Three Counties Medical School, set to open at the university this September. It has previously been stated that the school would take around 100 students per year. Funding from the Kildare Trust and local NHS partners will finance 20 places for UK students starting this year for the duration of their four-year programme. But a spokesperson for the university said, despite the desperate need for more doctors in the area, we have not yet been allocated a single place by HM Government. We and our NHS partners would like to be able to offer many more 
but this will only be possible if central government funds places. There is a desperate need for more medical doctors to work in the three counties and the wider region. These calls have been echoed by both the city's Conservative MP and the local De Liberal Democrats. County Councillor Dan Boatwright, the Lib Dem parliamentary candidate for West Worcestershire, said it is incredibly frustrating to see a new medical school being built in our county but almost no local student being able to access the courses available. We have a crisis unfolding in our NHS and the government refuses to fund the future of our medical profession. Robin Walker, MP for Worcestershire, said, I have been campaigning for this for about a year now. It is an issue that I have been leading the charge for and will continue to do so until we secure more places. The university said it was very grateful for the support shown by local politicians, but has warned that if nothing has has done been done soon, pressures facing the NHS will continue. The bottom line is that the region needs hundreds more new doctors, said a spokesperson. The longer His Majesty's government delays in funding the places for training new medical doctors, the longer the NHS will be in crisis. The spokesperson added that in the absence of funded places, the best way forward for a new medical school is to start with a mix of self-funded international students and UK students supported by funding from philanthropy and NHS partners. This will put the three counties medical school in the best position to immediately increase the number of students we educate once the government decides to provide funded places, they added. The university remains deeply committed by creating medical school places for UK students to serve the people of this region and will continue to campaign for funded places to be allocated as soon as possible. The Three Counties Medical School is currently under construction in Hilton Road, the site of the former Worcester News offices, and will open to students in September. And the headline for Monday, January the 9th, Come Clean Over Air Zone Fine. A pensioner said he is being treated like a criminal after he received a fine of over £100 for driving in a clear air zone area in a big city that he hasn't visited since the summer. Brian Marsh, 85, and his wife Angela were having lunch with friends at their family home in Stockton, near Worcester, on Friday, December the 9th. But Mr Marsh received a £120 fine through the post claiming he had been driving in Great Bar, Birmingham at, ar at around 4pm on that Friday. Mr Marsh drives a Ford Cougar and the car photographed is a black Ford Focus, but the registration plates, plates are almost identical apart from one digit. And the car photographed in the clean air zone was being towed away in the back of a rescue truck. <coughs> Mr Marsh said we were never in Birmingham, so that fine came through the post telling us we had been driving. We can't just say we weren't there because nobody would believe us. The registration number plate was wrong by one digit. The car was on the back of a rescue truck. In the summer, the couple received and paid a fine for driving in a clean air zone in Birmingham, but they have refused to pay this one. 
He said, young people are always trotting into Birmingham all the time, <clears throat> but I'm 85 and I have given up on Birmingham. We only used to go to Birmingham to go to the theatre, but since they have made the clean air zones, it has become impossible if you do not have the right car. Somebody said the system is run by a computer, but you can't let stuff like that happen, and now I'm being treated like a criminal. The fine was absurd. I was shocked and surprised, and when I looked at our calendar, we had people round. When I actually looked online, I saw that the number plate was incorrect. My acknowledgement of the error was very sarcastic. I told them to go have, a look, have their eyes checked, and I told them it was ridiculous. I said I am waiting for a formal apology. We had friends over that day, so people will be able to verify if we need them to. I could say, I'm sorry we were not there, but I'm sure they would not have accepted that. A spokesperson for Birmingham City Council said, The council follows the statutory enforcement process for the issuing and enforcement of penalty charge notices. This process provides a number of opportunities to appeal or challenge a penalty charge. The opportunities for challenge are also set out at each stage of the process so that anyone issued with a penalty charge notice understands how they can pay or they can challenge it. And this is from um, Tuesday, January the 10th. Pensioners are trapped in their homes after lifts broke down at a block of flats in Worcester. Families are concerned paramedics will not be able to quickly reach loved ones in an emergency as the lifts in the Cripplegate House flats on St Clement's Close are not working. They are calling on platform housing to resolve the situation quickly. A spokesman for platform said that the issue was due to a problem with the electricity supply. Stephen Burton, a resident of Cripplegate House, claims that there have been issues with the lifts for the last four days. He said, The lifts are out and there are a lot of elderly residents who are trying to get to floors. It has been doing this for four days now. There is a resident who has been going to the door asking if any elderly residents need any shopping. Something needs to be done. This is not the first time it has happened either. Craig Bourne, who has an elderly mother in the building, said he is concerned about how paramedics are going to be able to access the highest floors in the building. He said, my mother is 84 years old and has had um, to have paramedic visits for a variety of reasons linked to ill health. My concern is how are the paramedics going to get there? It just seems like the issue has not been taken seriously, as this is not the first time it's happened. Councillor Richard Oodell said residents are losing faith in the lifts. He said it's extremely worrying that both lifts have broken down and I'm very concerned about the time it's taking to get them repaired. Residents are losing faith in the lifts and are now worried about using them. It must have been a very frustrating experience for the residents who had to be rescued from the lifts by the fire service. Councillor Udall called on platform housing to urgently resolve the situation. He said platform housing need to ensure the lifts are both working again and made safe. They also need to ensure those unable to leave their flats are contacted and helped. Some residents are vulnerable and will need extra support. A platform housing said, 
We apologise to the residents for the inconvenience this has caused. Unfortunately, there has been an intermittent problem with the electrical supply to the lifts. We have notified the local fire service of the situation and have measured and have measures in place to provide additional support to our customers. We are doing everything possible to rectify the situation. This headline says, Lock out the yobs. Scared children have called for a metal gate to be locked at night to protect a community from a gang of rampaging teen marauders. Sleep-deprived brothers Ewan and Oliver Windrus have seen and heard the vandalism in and around Gamekeeper's Drive in Brickfields. Ewan 9 and Oliver 6 are the youngest to sign a petition calling for a pathway gate to be padlocked at night. Some residents in Warnden and Brickfields have even given chase to the youths and had stones thrown at their homes for their trouble. Neighbours want the gate between Gamekeepers Drive and the Fairfield Centre in Carnforth Drive shut off. A spokesperson for landowners Worcester County Council said plans to install a more secure fence would require planning permission and locking the gate may attract more vandalism. Councillor Jill Deserea, who launched the petition, said there was ongoing antisocial behaviour by a rampaging group of around six teenagers between the ages of 13 and 15. She described them as wreaking havoc on the people of Warnden and Brickfields with their nightly revels. Teens have been climbing up a pipe onto the roof of Fairfield Day Nursery and the roof of Buttercup Children's Centre and breaking the skylight at Warnden Library. They have also been letting off fireworks, kicking and damaging fences and making noise while playing in a park intended for children with disabilities in Regency High School. Ewan, a pupil at Tudor Grange Primary Academy, Purdiswell, said, I feel a bit mad about all that's happened. I've seen people climbing up roofs, climbing over fences and doing all sorts of stuff and playing around on people's property. I've seen one of them kick down a fence. I ran away because I didn't want them to see me. I did feel a lot a bit scared when I saw them kicking the fence. They have spoken, they have woken me up. Sorry, there's a tear in the paper here. Uh, they woke me up on a few times late at night and I was tired at school the next day. His mum, 37-year-old Hannah Windross, has called West Mercia Police initially concerned for the welfare of the young teenagers. Mrs Windross added they could break their necks if they fall off the roof. After lockdown it got worse. When we were first moved in nine years ago it was irregularly locked and we did not have any problems. My children have been up at night. It's hard for them to go to sleep when there's all that ruckus going on out the back. Residents are absolutely hacked off. They're losing sleep and their quality of life is in the toilet, said Councillor Desirea. We have even hear, heard of residents giving chase in the early hours <coughs> of the morning. Councillor Marcus Hart, Cabinet Member for Communities at Worcester 
County Council said, We are aware of the situation at Fairfield Centre and are taking pros pros proactive action to install a more secure and higher fence around the perimeter to keep the site secure and reduce vandalism. The structure of this fence requires planning permission. We have been taking advice from our police colleagues on the management of the site and have been not and have not locked the gate on an evening as experience suggests that it creates more vandalism. We will, however, seek further advice on how best to manage the site. And on Wednesday, January the 11th, traffic cone thrown at taxi. A former landlord hit a taxi with a traffic cone outside his city pub after a long-running parking dispute came to an explosive conclusion. Adrian Birch, who was the landlord of the Horn and Trumpet pub when he committed the crime, changed his plea to criminal damage on the day of his Worcester Crown Court trial. A judge blasted the 63-year-old of Angel Street, Worcester, for his parking rage and he said it took place in front of the general public. William Dudley, prosecuting, said on September the 8th, 2019, the victim was working as a taxi driver and had parked on Angel Street as the designated spaces nearby were full. The prosecutor said he parked opposite the pub. He became aware of someone hitting the driver's side window of the taxi. The defendant swore at the victim. Birch picked up a police traffic cone on the side of the road and he hit the rear door about three times. The victim sensibly did not engage and drove away. The prosecutor added the victim had been driving the damaged taxi that had distinct scratches and dents on its side in the three years since the incident, having been advised not to get it repaired ahead of the trial. Mohammed Latif, defending, explained Birch had acted out of frustration as taxis had been parking on double yellow lines for a period before the incident and he had not liked the noise and the fumes. Mr Latif said Birch was a man of good character having no previous convictions and stressed there had been no further issues between the pair since 2019. The court heard Birch was no longer the landlord of the pub and was now only working 20 hours a week being descri uh, described as a man of limited means. Sentencing him for criminal damage, his honour judge Jonathan Salmon said the issue of taxis parking on double yellow lines was a long-standing issue and had been the cause of ex his explosive act. The judge said the defendant should have known it was not the right way to act. You were abusive towards him, the judge said. You chose to take out your anger by causing damage to his motor car. The judge said, though he recognised the victim had reached bad received bad advice and the cost of repairs had gone up since 2019, he was keen the victim be properly compensated. The judge fined Birch £125 and awarded compensation to the victim of £750. After reviewing Birch's finances, Judge Salmon suggested Birch drop £55 per pet insurance he was paying monthly as it was a luxury which would help him to pay off the money owed. Birch had previously denied one count of creatively aggravated criminal damage. Mr Dudley told the court after speaking to the victim and in the public interest the guilty plea to one count of criminal damage was acceptable to the Crown. The prosecutor added the Crown would not pursue the second count going to trial adding it would lie on file. And now some sport. 
this one is headlined Dolivera to succeed Worcestershire legend Moen as Rapids captain for the Vitality Blast. Worcestershire Red Bull skipper Brett Dolivera will also take on the c- captaincy in the Vitality Blast this season. Following the departure of Moen Ali, Dolivera will now lead the side in the t- 2023 Blast, with Jake Libby being named as the Royal London Cap. Cup captain, the England Lions debutant, de, debutant, oh yes, debutant, Jack Haynes also joins the leadership group for the upcoming white ball captain campaign as Rapids vice captain. Dolivera does have previous experience of captaining the Rapids, having done so in 2018 when Worcestershire won the captain competition. Last year, I wanted to focus solely on the four-day stuff after taking over as club captain, and now I'm really looking forward to leading the T20 side too. It's another challenge for me, he said. I really enjoyed it when I did it last time. Looking back at 2018, when you are playing in it, you don't actually realise the calibre of players you are playing alongside. We were so fortunate in terms of the guys we had playing, a lot of international guys and guys who gained a lot of experience in domestic T20. The side sort of sort of captained itself and I didn't have to do much other than just send a few messages and decide who to bowl, where and when, and I had a lot of help around me. Donavira admits there is a need for change in the white ball game at Worcestershire following a disastrous 2022 in the format. They came bottom in both their blast group, two wins from 14, and the Royal London Cup, two wins from eight, winning a total of four games across the two tournaments. I feel we are trying to change how we will play our T20 cricket a little bit. If we were brutally honest, we weren't anywhere near good enough last year, the new captain added. It presents a different challenge, but one I am really excited about. Having the continuity of one captain is also beneficial and that's something myself, Alan and Kadir Ali identified. It is really hard when you've got three different people captaining one competition for various reasons. It's no one's fault, just the way it panned out. But continuity can be great for the boys and hopefully give them a greater clarity as to how we want to play our cricket. Soon to be Worcestershire batter Adam Hose smashed 38 from 22 balls as the Adelaide striker created history in the Big Bash League on Thursday. Hose struck four sixes, including three in one incident-packed over from Fahim Ashraf, as the strikers overhauled Hobart Hurricanes' total of 229 for four with three balls to spare. It lifted his run tally in the 2022-23 BBL past the 200 mark as he made another important contribution for the strikers in their fourth win of the campaign. Strikers captain Matthew Short hit a brilliant unbeaten century from 59 balls but Hose and Chris Lim, 64, provided crucial support in chasing such a demanding target. Hose came into bat at 132 for two in the 12th over and collected his first boundary over short fine leg of Riley Meredith. He then lifted Ashraf for his opening 6-6 over mid-wicket of a full toss 
but was then caught off a skyer at a long on in the same over. But it was adjudged to be a non no ball because of height. And Hose returned to the crease and lofted two more sixes, backward of share of square and over long on in the space of three balls. He then hit spinner <coughs> Tim David over long on for his fourth sixth before being LBW attempting a sweep against the same bowler after adding 17-3 in 6.3 overs with short. But it was not just Hose representing Worcestershire overseas. New Zealand international Michael Bracewell scored his maiden test half-century for his country on day four of the second test against Pakistan in Karachi. He came to the wicket with New Zealand 126 for four in their second innings, an overall lead of 169 and the game in the balance. The left-hander featured in a partnership of 127 with Tom Blundell, 74, and the Black Caps stretched their lead past 300. Bracewell advanced to 74 not out from 119 balls with 11 fours when the declaration came at 277 for five, setting Pakistan 309 to win. And they reached 0.2 by the close. Both will be coming to New Road this year with the 2023 cricket season starting in late March. And now some stories that uh, you might interest you uh, um, that from the from the week that we've uh, just had. Bus users in Worcester have praised the introduction of £2 price caps on single bus fare tickets. On January the 1st, bus companies across the UK introduced a £2 fare cap on single tickets, which will remain in place until March the 31st. First Bus Worcestershire is one of the many bus companies across the UK to benefit from the price cap. A passenger who was waiting for her bus today in Worcester said, it certainly can't hurt with prices going up at the moment. Another passenger echoed the same comment saying, how times are getting tough for people. She said, it should help people out. Times are getting tough for a lot of people and saving money is important. A pensioner living in Clanes said it was a shame to see First Bus pull out of the 37th service, which served an area of Clanes. She said, I use a bus pass so I don't need to worry about paying for tickets. I feel like it's a good thing, but there have also been cut-off areas such as Clanes, which I feel is a major problem and it's such a big area of Worcester. Councillor Mel Alcott clarified that the service had not been entirely cut off and a new bus company was serving the route instead. She said, we haven't had the service cut. First bus originally pulled out of its 37th service, which facilitates a part of Clanes. But Diamond Bus took over the route as part of its 303 service, which is only available once every hour. People who use the Diamond Bus Service will not be able to benefit as the company has not taken the offer from the government. Generally, I see buses as more of a community commodity and should have much more support as they are very important. The services in Worcester are often far from adequate and are a big issue that residents and myself would like to see improved. A statement from Diamond Bus on December the 22nd addressed the decision to not take part in the scheme. 
It said, We understand that during these difficult times, some of our existing passengers may be disappointed to hear that we will not be taking part. However, it is also our opinion that reducing fares now and then increasing fares again in April would also create a negative effect on passenger opinion and risk potentially losing passengers later in the year. We believe that keeping our fares consistent is better long term. Therefore, all the diamond bus businesses' fares will remain frozen at current prices. A minibus has been rescued from floodwaters. Worcestershire Wildlife Trust's minibus was stuck at the Piddlebrook Meadows Nature Reserve near Norton Beecham, near Pershaw. A spokesman said, Oops, the Piddlebrook burst its banks recently and the quickly rising water nearly caught us out. Fortunately, they were able to rescue the minibus before it floated off. There was a suggestion of adding an amphibious vehicle to our fleet, though, for future visits to the Piddlebrook Meadow. A spokesperson for, trust, for the Trust said, Following last week's rain, our volunteer team were caught by the rising waters of the Piddle Brook as it broke out of its banks, flooding our Piddle Brook Meadows Nature Reserve. Our colleague Tom had parked the volunteers' minibus in the morning as the team set off to undertake some routine work elsewhere on the reserve. When they returned to the minibus, which was fortunately parked on a high point, Tom had to wade across a dip in the land to reach it and drive it off site. Fortunately, no harm was done except to Tom's welly, socks and pride. The nature reserve consists of a series of wildflower-rich fields that run alongside the Piddle Brook in the south of the county. The fields are rich in wildlife and play an important role in slowing down the stream of floodwater um, in heavy rainfall. Worcestershire Wildlife Trust manages almost 3,000 acres of land for wildlife and works with others to encourage and help them to manage their land, from gardens to farms and community green spaces for wildlife. Meanwhile, car parks in Worcester City Centre could be at risk of flooding as early as this morning, according to the City Council. The City Council had placed signs across its car parks in Worcester, warning customers of a possible flood risk. A spokesperson for Worcester City Council said, Currently there are no problems in any of the City Council's car parks, but we anticipate that could change tomorrow or later in the week. We have signs out at Pitchcroft, Croft Road, Newport Street and Cattle Market car parks advising customers to park in other locations. Information on the other city centre car parks is at worcester.gov.uk slash parking. The river level at Diglis is above typical levels and has reached 3.7 metres yesterday at 11.45am. The levels are had slightly decreased from Monday. Face masks are making a return as a COVID and flu twindemic sweeps Worcester, although no one is obliged to wear one and some refuse. While some Worcester newsreaders are wearing face masks again because of the rise in respiratory infections, others say they will never put one on again, while some will only wear one in a circumstance 
in a certain circumstance. Nicky Porter wrote on the Worcester News Facebook page, already been doing so, wearing a mask, on the weekly shop. It's very refreshing to see so many others doing so too. Having had another bout of a nasty case of COVID in November stroke December, which had me bitten bedridden for a good few days, I refused to take any more chances. But Chris Hemmings wrote, I won't go back to wearing one, even in hospitals, etc., as it's not enforceable by law. I will only wear one if I see, I'm seeing someone who is clinically vulnerable now. Meanwhile, many healthcare settings, including Worcestershire Royal Hospitals in Worcester, are insisting visitors wear masks. It is no longer a legal requirement to wear face coverings in care homes, but guidance recommends staff and visitors wear them in certain situations. Ambulances have been pictured in queues as pressure on the NHS mounts, partly caused by the spread of respiratory infections. The record strain on the hospital was reached on December 19th, an emergency consultant has revealed. David Raven, Divisional Director, Urgent Care, EM Consultant, wrote on Twitter, At 10pm on December 19th, we hit a record of 176 patients in ED and WRH. Such demand poses risk to patients and staff, especially with COVID, flu, RSV circulating. On Monday, the UK Health Security Agency said flu and coronavirus, COVID-19, are circulating at high levels and are likely to continue to increase. Children who are unwell or have a fever have been told to stay home from school or nursery until they feel better and the fever has resolved. A CPT spokesman speaking on behalf of First Buses, which runs services in Worcestershire, said bus operators are committed to the safety and well-being of passengers by following the latest public health advice from the government and through regular deep cleaning of vehicles. If passengers are unwell or have coronavirus or flu symptoms, they should avoid travelling. A spokesperson for Worcestershire Acute Hospitals, NHS Trust, said, currently all patients and visitors, as well as our staff, are required to wear a face mask in all areas of our hospitals, unless exempt. This will be provided. A spokesperson for the Hereford and Worcestershire Health and Care NHS Trust said they were asking for all patients and visitors to wear a face mask while in its building unless exempt. And now Adrian. First person upon fibre. Worcester's first resident has now been connected to B Fibre's new full fibre broadband in the city. Broadband provider B Fibre has announced that Worcester's new full-fibre network is now live in the area, with the first of approximately 31,000 residents now connected to its new full-fibre network. The announcement marks the city's official launch of the fibre to the premises connectivity, following months of preparations to design, build and test the network, by B-Fibre's sister company, UK Telecommunications Infrastructure Owner Digital Infrastructure, 
Elliot Martin of the Lane Barbourne contacted B-Fibre when the privately funded infrastructure project was initially announced and he said, I saw the digital infrastructure build team in the street and after hearing about B-Fibre's offering, immediately went online to register my interest. After waiting patiently for Worcester's network to be completed, I was online with a day of being, uh, within a day of being ready for service. We're a large family, he says, two adults and three children, all of whom like to be online streaming games, music, films and TV shows simultaneously. From end to end, the process was fantastic and I got exactly what I needed. The project was completed by using existing ducts and without having to dig up Worcester's roads. Louise Elliott, the Chief Customer and Operations Officer for B Fibre and Digital Infrastructure, said this is a fiercely crowded market. However, by not breaking promises, giving customers guaranteed speeds and delivering first-class customer services, we're providing an edge that is hard to compete with. After all, we need greater connectivity than ever before. Whether we're busy with video calls, working from home, binging on box sets or gaming. And in truth, being online is now a necessary part of everyday life. Therefore, we're moving in line with an ever-evolving broadband market with our fit-for-the-future infrastructure to ensure that we meet demand. More than £1,000 has been raised by a Worcester choir from busking in the city centre and visiting care homes. Worcester Male Voice Choir raised the money after making some ad hoc appearances in pubs, care homes and various appearances in the city centre. The money will go to two charities, Worcestershire Acute Hospitals and St Richard's Hospice. A spokesperson for the choir said the seasonal pop-up performances have been so popular and successful that the boys of WMVC have decided to continue busking in early 2023. So watch out for them anywhere in Worcester or Droitwich or Pershaw. If you see them and fancy joining in, just step forward. You'll be made very welcome. The next concert is on March the 5th at Cradley Church, but prior to that the boys of WMVC will be celebrating St David's Day in Worcester with some rousing Welsh songs. Again, all are welcome to join in. Singing in public is proven to be very beneficial to health and well-being and the atmosphere among the choir and the audiences at the various pop-up performances was a joy to behold. Further details are available on the website at www.worcestermalevoicechoir.org.uk The boss running a string of city's leisure centres had admitted that some facilities could be forced to close if ministers do not reverse the decision to support to pay rocketing energy bills. Swimming pools and leisure centres have been dealt a blow after being left out of the energy-intensive industries in the government's energy bills discount scheme, which will offer discounts on big energy bills to certain sectors, including museums and libraries and other business and charities, from April. Ivan Horsfall-Turner, the concerned boss of Freedom Leisure, which runs Perdiswell Leisure Centre, St John's Sports Centre and Nunnery Wood Sports Complex, said he was extremely disappointed and frustrated at the snub. He called on government ministers to clarify what criteria was being used to decide which industries would be classed as energy intensive and said he found it incredibly hard to understand how a library or museum would use more energy than a public swimming pool.
public sector leisure is one of the most exposed sectors because we are a very intensive user of utilities, which energy costs a very large proportion of our overall costs, particularly in centres with swimming pools, he said. We have recently seen our annual energy bill move from 8 million to 20 million, even with the temporary cap. Following the announcement of a discount scheme, those figures are clearly going to increase even further. And as a not-for-profit organisation that invests its surpluses back into the local community facilities we run, we simply do not have the reserves to cope with these unprecedented costs. If the situation remains as it is, there is a real risk of more not-for-profit trusts such as ourselves taking difficult decisions to close more facilities and services which will have a long-term detrimental effect on the health and well-being of the nation as well as increasing the pressure on our already overstretched NHS. Last year, Worcester City Council agreed to hand over up to... Um, 255,000 of taxpayers' money to Freedom Leisure to help cover the soaring cost of gas and electricity. The, the, the deal was sealed despite criticism from councillors who labelled the outsourced contract with Freedom Leisure a money pit and called for a serious review into future agreements. A sandwich shop has been forced to raise its prices due to the cost of living crisis. Ermi's Sandwich Bar in Droitwich High Street has confirmed that customers will expect increased costs this year. It comes as the cost of ingredients and energy bills continue to rise. A Facebook post announcing the changes read, Please note, as of Wednesday 4th of January 2023, we have made a tough decision to apply a price increase due to increased costs from all our food suppliers and utility costs over the last 12 months, which I can see I can no longer absorb within the business. I really do appreciate your continued support now and going forward. The decision appears to have gone down well with customers who took took the comments to voice their support. Jenny Davis says you have to do what you have to to keep your yummy service afloat, so I understand completely. Another customer, Liam Ward, commented, worth every penny, see you soon. And Kat Walker, owner of a fellow high street business, Petite Paul's Only, said, completely understandable, you provide a great and yummy service. Adrian? So the Mayor's Diary for last week is resolution to make revolution. Ever noticed how resolution is only one letter away from revolution? I wonder if our resolutions can really bring revolutionary change to our lives. It would be nice to think so. I've spent this week thinking and planning for the remaining few months before May's curtain falls on my mayoralty. There are still plenty of things to do and opportunities to raise funds for my two charities. Seven Arts have been doing lots of new work recently with the range of innovative young people in the city. They are really demonstrating how engaging in arts and cultural activity helps mental and physical well-being. Onside, work in mental health, social prescribing, well-being and support and are focused on empowering people to make fair and informed decisions 
Everyone is entitled to fair treatment by what can often be bureaucratic challenges for the best of us. I find working with both charities rewarding and eye-opening. Just as long as I have still got bruised toes and a sore Achilles from the run in September, my donations page at Just Giving remains open and will continue to support events this year at justgiving.com crowdfunding slash Mayor of Worcester UK. My engagement diary is also filling up with visits to the Guildhall from local groups of all ages and abilities, as well as commitments for me to visit you. Awards ceremonies, opening new businesses, celebrating and supporting our city and its residents and economy. I joined some of my fellow councillors for a festive meal this week, nothing fancy, just very good fare in a local independent restaurant. Now it may be dry January for some, but there are still plenty of ways to support our amazing hospitality industry who have suffered so much in the last few years. And in my 60th year, I will certainly be doing my best to bolster their trade where I can. A county housing association will be lending a hand during upcoming ambulance strikes. Ambulance staff will take industrial action this month as part of a national pay dispute with the government. To make sure everyone is kept safe, Platform Housing has announced that its falls response team will be responding to 999 and 111 calls on both Wednesday, January the 11th and Monday, January the 23rd. Lauren Adam, falls response team leader at Platform Housing Group, said... As soon as we heard about the strikes, we decided that we would contact the NHS and explore how we could offer extra help. With the news that a person could be on the floor for up to three days while the ambulance strike takes place was something that we felt compelled to assist with. Platform has been running the Falls Response Service in Worcestershire since 2013, but usually responds only to those with a pendant alarm. Mrs Adam added, we will be responding to 999 and 111 calls on these days, which means that the NHS neighbourhood team can respond to higher priority calls. We will also be working closely with our neighbourhood teams during this time, so that if somebody falls that we think requires medical assistance, we can call on them, which may result in preventing an ambulance call out. Our team work 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. We are justifiably proud of our colleagues going above and beyond in this instance. Across the country, more than 100,000 ambulance workers will go on strike on Wednesday. West Midlands Ambulance Service has moved to reassure people that they will continue to respond to the most serious incidents, such as cardiac arrests, strokes and difficulty in breathing and maternity cases. A WMAS spokesperson said the public of the West Midlands are being given an assurance that the ambulance service will continue to respond to incidents where this is a threat to life on Wednesday, despite strike action by one of our unions. A Worcestershire Children's Hospice is asking people to donate their unwanted Christmas presents. Acorns is welcoming donations this festive season in a bid to refresh stock at their shops across the county. The hospice needs £27,000 per day in order to provide care and support services with the charity's network of shops playing a, a key part in helping to raise those funds. Gary Pettit, Director of Retail at Acorns, said, By donating your unwanted gifts to Acorns, 
um, not only be giving them a new lease of life instead of gathering dust at the back of your shelf, you'll be showing your support for local children and families. He added, there's no time like the present to declutter your home and donate your unwanted gifts to one of our acorn shops. You may even like to clear space on your shelves or your wardrobe for the presents you love, so why not donate your beloved items too? By doing so, you'll be helping us to continue providing our vital children's hospice care. Acorns Children's Hospice provides specialist palliative care for life-limited and life-threatened children and support for their families from its three hospices based in Birmingham, Walsall and Worcester and in the community. In the past year, the charity has cared for more than 700 children and almost a 1,000 families, including those who are bereaved. Anyone who would like to donate their unwanted Christmas presents can take them along to their local Acorns shop. In Worcester, shops can be found on Meal Cheapen Street and St Peter's the Great Park. Shops elsewhere in the county include St Andrew's Street in Droitwich, Court Road in Barnard's Green and High Street in Pershaw. To find your nearest Acorns shop, visit www.acorns.org.uk slash shoplocator. An enterprising chef has raised over a thousand pounds for a homeless charity in Worcester by relaunching her advent calendar filled with luxury prizes and overnight overnight stays for a pound. Members of Facebook group Worcestershire Foodies Guide and people further afield have been donating a pound in the hopes to win treats from top Worcestershire cafes and restaurants. Prizes were donated by a range of venues, including Holland House, Chamberlain's, the Holt Fleet and the Alma Tavern. Amy Seeley, who organised the advent calendar, said she started planning in September and has been blown away by the level of generosity she has seen. The festive calendar ended up raising £1,275 for Worcestershire Homeless Appeal. Alongside working as the head chef at Holland House on Main Street in Pershaw, Miss Seeley said she wants to give something back to the community. She said, it went really well. We raised £1,275, which is a lot more than last year. On Boxing Day, the Olive Branch asked me if I wanted to add an extra bonus day, which ended up being our most popular day. Everybody seems to enjoy the prizes. One of the most popular prizes was the mulled wine. Before launching this year's advent calendar, Miss Seeley said she was worried about the cost of living and was concerned that people would be willing to spend money. But she said people have made very generous donations. Amid the cost of living crisis, Miss Seeley said it is important to support small businesses and give something back to the community. She said, I was really worried about the cost of living and maybe people would make fewer entries, but I was blown away by the generosity people have shown this year. Miss Seeley said the smaller gifts received the same amount of attention as the more expensive gifts. We had a variety of people who won. 
Paying one pound isn't a massive sum of money for a lot of people, but some people play every day, which means they donated £34 to the homeless. Adrian? A TB outbreak closes farm. A farm has been shut down following the outbreak of an infectious disease. Several cows at Bennett's Farms have been put to slaughter after testing positive for bovine tuberculosis. As such, the farm will not be able to sell any of its beef herd for at least the next 120 days. The temporary closure was announced on the farm's Facebook page. Steph Bennett said, We have sadly today had several cows react positively to our routine TB test. TB is an awful part of dairy farming and tens of thousands of cows are slaughtered every year because of it. And we are adding a few more to those statistics. We are absolutely devastated. Among the livestock to be culled were a few good milkers and a young heifer. According to the Department for Environment, Food and Rural Affairs, bovine TB is caused by a bacterium called Mycobacterium bovis, which is closely related to the bacterium that causes human and avian tuberculosis. All mammalian species, including humans, are susceptible to bovine TB. It's mainly a respiratory disease and can be transmitted through nose-to-nose contact and also through contact with saliva, urine, faeces and milk. The outbreak at Bennett's Farm off Malvern Road was the first in quite some time. Mrs Bennett told the public via a Facebook post saying the words every dairy farmer dreads hearing TB shutdown. She added, we have been clear for well over a year now so are absolutely gutted to be shut down again. As well as the financial loss of losing these lovely cows that have tested positive, we are now unable to sell off any of our beef herd until we have had two clear tests in a row, so that is a minimum of 120 days away. The financial toll of TB on dairy farmers can be staggering and we are at least for, for thankful that we are only losing a handful of cows rather than a significant chunk of our herd. Bennett's Farm has also moved to reassure customers that their milk is unaffected. In case anyone who purchases our milk is worried, please don't be, she said. There is no risk of harm to humans from drinking pasteurised milk from a herd shut down with TB. Please keep absolutely everything crossed for us for our next test in 60 days' time. A drunk driver who loses his job and his home after he crashed his works van while on his way to an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting. Richard Juniper went to the pub and later could not say how much he had drunk before he got behind the wheel of his works Ford Transit van. The father was two and a half times the drink drive limit when he clipped another car, crossed onto the wrong side and hit a curb in Hanley Road, Malvern. The 35-year-old bedroom fitter and joiner, by trade, admitted driving with excess alcohol when he appeared before magistrates in Worcester. Police became concerned about his driving and pulled him over on November 24th. A further matter of failing to stop was withdrawn. Samreen Afsar, prosecuting, said police followed Juniper after he clipped another vehicle. They saw him swerving back and forth onto the opposite side of the road and clip a curb on one occasion, said Mrs Afsar. When he was stopped, officers could smell alcohol. He had 89 micrograms of alcohol in 100 mils of breath, two and a half times the legal limit of 35 micrograms. 
Belinda Aris defending said Juniper, a father, had no previous convictions and had pleaded guilty straight away. Juniper had lived with his partner at a bungalow in Leddington, Dimmock, Gloucestershire, although the relationship had now broken down. Mrs Aris said he was attending Alcoholics Anonymous on a regular basis and has been alcohol dependent for many years. Until the incident, she said he had been ill, he'd been 11 months sober. He fell off the wagon, he went to the pub, he did not just have one drink, he had a few more than that. He could not recall how many. Then he got in his works van to go to the Alcoholics Anonymous meeting, said Mrs Aris. He was embarrassed and upset with himself that he had let himself down and his family down too, and his child as well, by having yet another drink. She added, he did not realise he had scraped the bumper of another car until he was told by the police. Mrs Aris also told the court that his employers could not keep him on without a driving licence and he would have to let his home go as he could not now afford the rent on his own. He said, the consequences for him and his daughter are huge. Magistrates banned him from driving for 22 months, fined him £120 and ordered him to pay costs of £135 and a victim surcharge of £48. Plans for a new village hall in city. Plans have been revealed to build a new village hall in St Peter's. The new building would be built on land behind St Peter's Baptist Church off Eden Close in Worcester. Worcester Community Trust, which runs a number of centres across the city, would run a number of training sessions from the new village hall according to the plans submitted to Worcester City Council by the St Peter's Village Hall Association. The existing village hall in St Peter's, home to St Peter's Parish Council, is owned by neighbouring supermarket Tesco and the association wants to move away from leasing the building to owning and operating a hall on its own. The drawings also show space for the village hall to expand in the future, but this has not been included in the current planning application. In a message of support, Reverend Andrew Browning from St Peter's Baptist Church said, as a church, we want to see excellent provision for our local community and we work hard to achieve this goal through all our activities. We have a range of community facilities within our own building and look to help the community as much as we can, such as hosting the St Peter's Mass Vaccination Centre for over 18 months. We are situated right next to where the proposed village hall will be built and can only see the establishment of this proposed new building as complementing our own provision, becoming a very valuable addition to St Peter's community. A statement included with the application said, The proposed building will not have its own dedicated parking but will share the parking provision at the St Peter's Church and Tesco supermarket. St Peter's Church has 95 spaces directly adjacent to the site and there is an agreement to use these spaces. There exists free two and a half hour parking in Tesco's car park, a matter of yards from the proposed building. The existing community facility has no parking provision, but in the 31 years that it has been in use, this has not been a problem, either in the immediate area or in the streets surrounding it. 
Richard Underwood, a member of one of Worcester's best-known business families, has died at the age of 62. He was the eldest of five brothers, sons of Peter and Mary Underwood, and a hugely popular figure in the city. His wife Sue said Richard was a very sociable and well-respected member of Worcester life, and I'm sure will be greatly missed by many. After Hillside Prep School in Morven, Richard Frederick Underwood went to King's School, Worcester, until 1979. Following a year out travelling in Australia, he took a place at Westminster College studying business. He then secured a job in London with a market research company to be followed by a position with BT analysing market research data. Although he was enjoying life in the city, Richard missed his family and the slower pace of life back in Worcester. So when his father said there was a position for him in the family builders merchants back home, he moved back to Worcester in the late 80s. When Bradford's bought the business in 2000, Richard initially stayed on, but then took redundancy and spent six months travelling the world with Sue. On returning to the UK, his father Peter asked him to come into the steel stockholders business he was running with other sons, Mark and David. Richard became company secretary, where he stayed until his death. After Peter Underwood died in April 2003, David, who died from cancer last year, took over the business in Worcester, while Mark ran the branch in Hereford. Peter had been a busy man and was on many committees and a member of several clubs. Richard stepped up and became a very active member of Hadley Bowling Club, 280 Masonic Lodge and Worcester Clothiers, following in his father's footsteps. Richard also played badminton in Morven and tennis at Bromwich Lane Lawn Tennis Club in Worcester. He was chairman until Sainsbury's bought the land to build its supermarket in St John's. Richard then joined Worcester Golf and Country Club at Borton Park, where he enjoyed playing golf and tennis, becoming chairman of the tennis section. He was also a keen supporter of Worcester Warriors Rugby, where he was a season ticket holder until his ill health prevented him from going to matches. Richard, or Fred as he was known at King's School, was a leading member of the old school community, becoming social secretary of the old Vigornians and also president. He was, said Sue, a true gentleman. Richard Underwood died and died suddenly in Worcestershire Royal Hospital after six years with cancer. He leaves his wife Sue, three stepchildren, seven grandchildren, a sister-in-law and three brothers and their families. A celebration and thanksgiving service will be held in Worcester Cathedral on Friday, January the 20th at 2pm. A plan to build 30 homes in a village near Worcester has been turned down. A planning application to build the new homes on fields off Post Office Lane in Kemsey was put forward by house builder Lantar Developments last year. Malvern Hills District Council rejected the application, saying the new homes would be inappropriate and would have an adverse impact and unacceptable, unacceptably encroach on open countryside. 
A total of 80 objections from villagers in Kemsey were made against the plan during consultation, who said the homes would be built in an unsustainable location and condemned the effect it would have on already stretched local services such as schools. A report from officers at MHDC outlined the rejection, said the site would not provide suitable accessibility for pedestrians to the built-up area and would have an adverse impact on highway safety and sustainable transport sources. The report went on to say that the homes would be in a location that did not have enough school spaces, which would be harmful to their welfare and the welfare of the community at large. The plan was also rejected for having significant adverse impacts on the visual amenities of the area <clears throat> and the character and qualities of the landscape. Kemsey Parish Council also objected to the scheme, saying enough homes had already been built in the village. The Parish Council all said that the isolated position of the homes would be harmful to the character of the village, its rural setting and the countryside in general. Highways officers at Worcestershire County Council recommended the plan should be turned down because of a lack of, pa of a path which would be unsafe. The homes would have sat next to the recently completed 75-home Sallow Bedway plan in Kem Kemsey but would have been outside the designated development boundary for the village. An application to build 150 houses off the A38 on the southern edge of Kemsey was put forward last year alongside another plan to build 57 homes on fields off Brookend Lane by developer, developer Richborough Estates. Angry people living on an estate said they are up, to, up in arms about plans to install eyesore poles for fast fibre broadband. Scores of people on the West Acre Estate in Droitwich have signed a petition against the installation of fast fibre broadband. Residents are concerned about the new installation of poles ruining the look of the area and there is also confusion as to why it cannot be installed underground. Caroline Moore, a resident living in Ledwich Road, said it feels like an invasion. It's going to be an eyesore and we're not happy. So far, the petition has racked up 76 signatures. Consultation for the installation ended on December the 30th, but residents feel as though they did not receive enough time considering it was around the festive season and World Cup. Derek Sutton decided to set up the petition after speaking to his fellow residents on the estate, who were up in arms. He said, it's like banging your head against a brick wall. I have lost so much sleep over it, thinking, could I do this or that at one point? I thought I would have to give this in. Mr Sutton added that residents are happy to have better broadband, but not the poles. Councillor John Hartley had been working with the residents on the issue. It is important to note that because an act went through Parliament, these utilities do not need planning permission. It takes away control from the residents and the council's proper consultation is important. A spokesman for Full Fibre Heroes said, We are working hard to bring full broadband to Droitwich to future-proof the town for generations to come and ensure it remains a popular place to live and work. However, we are aware that this will upgrade this upgrade will change.
It is genuinely really important to us that we listen to any reservations or questions that residents have and this is why we write out individually to residents to see if we can make the positioning of new poles less painful. We have endeavoured to redesign our build with the minimum impact on the local area. However, it is not always possible to avoid the deployment of poles and we, therefore, want to ensure that we work with residents to minimise the visual impact as far as technically can. The consultation date for full fibre has been extended from December 30th, 2022 to January 16th, 2023. UK households could be due a £159 refund on their TV licence. Every household in the UK is legally required to have a TV licence if they watch or record live TV, regardless of what channel it is on. However, if you have already purchased a TV licence but do not watch or record live TV or stream BBC iPlayer, you could be entitled to a refund worth £159. Households across the UK can apply for a refund if you won't need your licence again before it expires and you have at least one complete month left on it or the licence fee for you expired less than two years ago. The amount you will be due in a refund will be worked out by TV Licensing, the organisation that issues TV licences. They explain how they work out the amount you will be due. Any refund due is calculated in unused months. You must have at least one complete month left on your licence that you won't need before it expires. So you could get a refund for between 1 and 11 months, depending on how long you have left on your licence. You won't be eligible for a refund if there is less than one month between the cancellation date and the expiry date. If you haven't paid for your licence in full, the expiry date may be changed to reflect what you've paid. A new eye care centre is coming to Worcester later this year. Community Health and Eye Care will be opening a new treatment centre in Worcester in March. The business is one of the largest providers of community-based ophthalmology services in the UK. The new centre will provide both ophthalmology and diagnostic endoscopy services for patients. According to CHEC, ophthalmology and endoscopy are two of the highest impacted areas affected by the COVID pandemic. Ophthalmic treatment alone accounted for approximately 10% of NHS waiting lists in 2022. As NHS waiting lists are once again hitting record highs and are expected to continue rising until 2024, the opening of new centres is fundamental to increasing the availability of high-quality healthcare services for patients. John Dorr, Chief Operating Officer at CHEC, said it is exciting to be able to announce our plans for 2023. The opening of our new centre in Worcester will further expand our high-quality services across England and help make healthcare more accessible for local residents. Moreover, it demonstrates CHEC's continued commitment to supporting the NHS and reducing waiting lists across the country. The site of the new location has not yet been revealed. And now, the thought for the week. 
The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. And the obituaries this week. Anne Margaret King, knee strain, aged 76, passed away on 18th of December 2022. The funeral service is at St Barnabas Church on Friday the 13th of January at 1 o'clock, followed by interment at Astwood Cemetery. Flowers or donations, if desired, for the RSPCA may be sent to E.J. Gummery and Son, 68-70, Ombersley Road, Worcester, WR3, 7EU. There will also be a collection plate at the church. Olwyn Elizabeth Topham, or Betty as she was known, passed away peacefully, aged 95, on the 27th of December. Um, her funeral will be taking place on Wednesday the 18th of January at 3.15pm at Worcester Crematorium. Family flowers only, please, but donations, if desired, for Age UK may be left on the collection plate at the crematorium or sent to E.J. Gummery and Son, again 68-70, Ombersley Road, Worcester, WR3 7EU. Eileen Hamer formerly of Hilltop Farm, Cutheridge, passed away um, on January the 2nd, aged 92 years. Her funeral is at Broadwell's Church on Thursday the 12th of January at 2.30. Oh, yes, that was today, I'm afraid. So I'm afraid that's actually taken place. And there was a private cremation following that. Family flowers only, please, but donations, if desired for the Alzheimer's Society, may be sent to Bedwardine Funeral Services, and their telephone number is 01905 748811. Madge Coley, or Leslie Madge Coley, died on Thursday the 8th of December, aged 77 years. There are no details, I'm afraid, for her um, funeral. Um, it just says that she'll be sadly missed by her family and friends. So if you do know her, perhaps you'll know someone who you can contact with regard that. Velma Box um, passed away on December the 22nd, aged 94 years. Her funeral service is at St John's Church on Monday the 16th of January at 1pm, followed by interment at St John's Cemetery. Family flowers only, please. Donations, if desired, for the British Heart Foundation may be left at the service or sent care of Bedwardine Funeral Services. That's 01905 748811. Irene Bennett, or Reen as she was called, she died on the 24th of December, aged 99 years. Her funeral service is to take place on Wednesday the 1st of February uh, at 12.15pm at the Worcester Crematorium, followed by committal. Family flowers only. Inquiries, please, to AV Band Funeral Directors and their telephone number 01905 22892. Terence Forster, or Terry, passed away peacefully on 25th of December, Christmas Day, aged 83 years. His funeral service is at Worcester Crematorium on Thursday the 19th of January at 12.15pm. 
No flowers, please, but donations, if desired, for the Alice Cross Centre, which may be left on the collection plate at the crematorium or sent to E.J. Gummery and Son, 68-70, Ombersley Road, Worcester, WR37EU. Richard William Grosvenor Davies died suddenly on the 23rd of December, aged 69 years. Um, his funeral service is at Worcester Crematorium on Wednesday the 18th of January at 10am. Family flowers only, please, but donations for St Richard's Hospice may be left on the collection plate at the crematorium or sent to E.J. Gummery and Son, 68-70, Ombersley Road, Worcester, WR37EU. June Mary Hayward, formerly of Pencombe, she passed away uh, on December the 26th, aged 85 years. A service of thanksgiving will be taking place at St Kenelm's Church, Clifton on Team, on Thursday, January the 19th at 12.30pm. Family flowers only, please, but donations, if desired, for Dementia UK may be sent to Emma Booston Funeral Services, 3 New Road, Bromyard, HR7 4AH. And there's a telephone number. 01885 489900. Brenda Bennett, Nee Vernals, died peacefully on the 2nd of January, aged 72 years. Her funeral is on Wednesday, the 18th of January, at 10:45 a.m. Family flowers only, please, but donations if desired for the Midlands Air Ambulance may be sent to Bedwardine Funeral Services and their telephone number 01905 748811. Ruth Potter passed away peacefully on the 24th of December, aged 90. Her funeral service is at St Peter's Church Poick on Tuesday the 17th of January at 1pm, followed by interment. Family flowers only, please. Donations if desired for the Acorns Children's Hospice Trust and they may be sent to Bedwardine Funeral Services. Telephone number 01905 748811. Anne Margaret King, niece Strain, passed away suddenly on the 18th of December, aged 76 years. The funeral service will take place uh, tomorrow at St Barnabas Church at 1pm, followed by interment at Astwood Cemetery. Flowers or donations, if desired, for the RSPCA may be sent to E.J. Gummery and Son, 68-70, Ombersley Road, Worcester. There will be a collection placed at the church as well. And that is the end of all the obituaries for this week. We uh, extend our condolences and our thoughts to all their families and all their friends at this very sad time for them.